This is Guitar Talk. To me, it just seems like there are endless possibilities. One of the things I like to find out, you know, how people got influenced in the play and the guitar, because stories are so unique. The trick is not to feel pressured to conform. If you know anything about Joel, he's been around the block. He's probably one of the most sought-after guitar players. How would you create that song? How would you turn that song into your song? There's not a guitar player on this planet that I personally don't follow closer. It's it's not something that you see too often. I only know a few players that do it. Now, from the home of the blues, Chicago, Illinois, welcome to Guitar Talk with your host, Jimmy Warren. Right, everybody, Jimmy Warren here. Welcome to Guitar Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in on this Wednesday. You know, Christmas right around the corner. I don't know what your, uh, your plans are, you know, what, what you're asking Santa for or anything, but you do know that Burst Effects just came out with the ultimate rock and blues mini pedal set. That's right. You can go to guitartalkofficial.com and check out this set of mini pedals. It's got all the pedals that you need in order to do, uh, you know, any kind of music within the rock and blues genre. It's got a um, uh, plexi pedal, which is a Marshall style. It's got a Dumble Overdrive, which is a Dumble uh, amplifier, uh, you know, style pedal. It's got a boost, which is a clean boost. It has a chorus, and then it has a delay, and it comes with a chromatic tuner, all for under $200. It is a great setup. You can go to guitartalkofficial.com, uh, and you can see it there. You can check out sound samples, and uh, it's a really cool setup. You know, I started using it, you know, and I'm a guy that, you know, has got a lot of pedals. You know, I spent a lot of money on gear, and it was kind of refreshing to get something that sounded as good as it does with no noise um, for the price point that it's at. I mean, for what I normally pay for one pedal, you know, I can get my entire, you know, all six of them. So it's really cool. So check it out. It's Burst Effects. It's the ultimate rock and blues mini pedal set. Uh, it's only from Burst Effects, and it's only available at guitartalkofficial.com. Now, we're also brought to you today by Charlie and John Strings, the ultimate strings. Man, great strings, vibrant, you know, long-lasting, handmade, hand-wound right here in the United States. You can go to charlieandjohns.com. They're available on Amazon and, of course, in the Guitar Talk uh, official website uh, shop. You can get them there, too. So, you know, make sure you check them out. You're going to be glad you did. Now, today... Oh boy, we have a great guest in store for you today. I've had the opportunity of interviewing uh, Mr. Paul Gilbert in the past, and he is always a fun interview. He is a very knowledgeable guy. Uh, He's an amazing guitar player, which we all know. So I think that you're really going to enjoy this. He's got a new Christmas album coming out called Twas. Of course, you know, he's still, you know, giving uh, lessons online. There's so much wrapped up into this guy, and uh, I think that you're going to enjoy it. So do yourself a favor. Sit down, put your feet up, get a nice cool beverage, and enjoy this conversation with guitarist Paul Gilbert right here on Guitar Talk. Jimmy! Paul, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Good, man. I'm good. You might not remember, but we talked, uh, I think it was uh, around the birth of your your last child i think like seven years ago eight years ago oh man well good to see you again 
<laughs> yeah, he, he's seven now, so it must have been around seven years. It was, yeah, that sounds about right. Now, so you were coming out with the uh, Stone Man pushing uphill. All right, great album. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, great. How you been? You, you can't lose when uh, when you start off with some Lover Boy. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I I found that's that's one of the things I find very interesting about you as a player is that you're not afraid just to do what, you know, your, your heart just kind of tells you to do, you know, and you pay tribute to a lot of great bands that you loved at during that album. And it was a great album. You know, it really was. I loved it. Yeah. I, I remember Doug Pinnock from, from King's X used to do a uh, kind of a speech to, to the audience uh, during the song over my head. And the, and the gist of it, you know, I mean, he communicated better than I could, but the gist of it was like, man, you know, love what you love. Yeah. You know, if, if there's a kind of music you love, don't let anybody tell you that it's not cool or, you know, you know when it comes to music, there's, there's no, <laughs> there's yeah. no reason to go like, oh, I don't like that because, you know, nobody else does. Like, if you dig it, dig it. That's it. You know, it's so subjective. You know, music within itself is so subjective, just like the guitar, because, you know, hosting this podcast, I get all kinds of people that email me about, you know, what kind of guitars to buy and what kind of pedals to use and, you know, what kind of tone to go after. And, you know, some people say, well, if you got a Squire guitar, well, that's crap. And if you're playing, if you're not playing, uh, you know what I mean? If you're not playing the first Racer X album with a Squire, (laughs) what's that? I did, I did the first Racer X album with the Squire. There you go. You know, yeah, you know what? And uh, yeah, I've had that conversation with a few people. A lot of great players have used a Squire over the years. But the point is, is that it's subjective, right? What you like is what you like. What sounds great to you is what sounds great to you. And that should be okay. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. We settled it. All right. It's <laughs> So you got a Christmas album coming out. Is this the, is this the first Christmas album you've done? Well, it's the first Christmas album, but I, I, I've played some Christmas songs, or I, I wrote one actually. There, there was a, a Steve Vai compilation called Merry Axmas that no. came out a pretty long time. It was like in the late 90s, I think. Yeah. And, uh, and he asked me to record the bonus track for Japan. Yeah. So, and, and, he, and he also wanted it to be an original song. So I, I, you know, I had to figure out like, well, what is Christmassy? Yeah, I can't use words. So, you know, I can't sing about Santa. So how how can I? And it ended up being like as long as I use some open strings and play major scales. You know, yeah. and, you know, and you know, in a way, like please please me by the Beatles, a great Christmas. <laughs> so it's Christmas you know, or or signed sealed delivered. Uh-huh. You know, or the, the solo and ain't talking about love. You know? Somehow that droning E string just makes it sound Christmas. So, exactly. um, so th- that's what I did for that song. It's called Mount Fuji Christmas. And that <laughs> turned out really good. But, yeah. but this one, I wanted to do some of the real, you know, the standards. Right. And, uh, and I, I, I've just been, I've been much more into playing melodies lately. That's sort of been my hobby is to see if I can play a, a melody and not wreck it. And, uh, and Christmas songs are full of melodies. So it was a good, good way to test out my, uh, my, right. my melody playing. Right. But at the same time, there's some song. I mean, there's only a couple of songs that have been released off of it as of right now in that. And uh, in the song that you did called Every Christmas Has Love, you know, it is, you know, it's it's not really Christmassy. I mean, it's more it's it's really got an R&B kind of bluesy 
soulful kind of feel to it. But uh, the the whole tone of it all in that, I, I mean, I get it. I mean, it's just a, it's a beautiful song. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah. I used I used my my yacht rock chords. <laughs> there you go. You can't go wrong with those. Yeah. Well, the, it, it's, as soon as you learn, like the uh, you, you learn one of those, you can modulate that anywhere. You know, yeah. You know, and, and so like any that's what I did. Like the you know the the verse and the chorus are completely different keys, and you just use that chord a couple times. Like oh, I'm there now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Circle back around. Yeah. The, but you know the use of the slide on there. Now I I I know that you know you're an Ibanez guy, and I know most of the time. Correct me if I'm wrong. Most of the time you're using Marshall amps. Yeah. Right. But that song, the tone of that song, to me had more of a a quacky kind of dumble almost sound to it. I mean, can, can, well, you know, there's, there's the secret of the tone was I was using the pink nose. Oh, okay. But, so I, I had two, I had two amps running the whole time. I had a little uh, Marshall uh, combo with 10 inch speaker. And, uh, and then I had a pig nose and I, and I, I drilled a couple holes in the bottom of it and, and clamped it onto a, um, a guitar stand. So the speaker's facing straight down to the ground. Wow. And then I and then I put it like right next to me, and that way I, I didn't I wasn't like super loud in the room, but I was loud right next to my guitar, so I could get you know some feedback and sustain right. without having to have a lot of distortion. Wow, that, that's the trick. Like with I, I found I, I can have the most you know deafening loud amp, but if it's in the next room, you're not getting any of the magic because it's not moving the air where you are. Right, and so. But then, you know, the, the, the typical thing is, you know, you get the half stack, the, the half stack that's like, you know, 10 feet behind you. And you get that at a volume where, where it's moving the air on, you know, next to your guitar. But then, you know, it, it's too loud in the room and it's leaking into the drum mics and, you know, then that's not working. So I found that proximity is the trick. You know, you don't need to be that loud as long as it's close. And so, and so, and I put, I mount a little mic under it. So like half the sound is the pig nose and the other half is the Marshall. Yeah. And, and the pig nose was, you know, the speakers, I don't know, like a five inch speaker maybe. So <laughs> right, it's, right. It's, it's got a little quack to it because just the nature of, you know, it's a smaller thing. Right. Yeah. And then, and then using a slide, you know, I mean, it sounded like you were using a slide on it too. Oh, when, yeah. you add, when you add that combination. Yeah. You know, when you add that, you get the, the the magneto uh yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's so cool this is one of the first ones i, I did it's a strong one it really yeah holds holds on there but it allows that's, you to get get to it quickly and get back that's that's right. a nice thing is right. i found the thing with slide is that i really love the sound of it but not necessarily for a whole song yeah like it's 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 sort of a, a nice flavor in, in, you know, among the flavors, but, you know, but I want to get back to my regular playing, you know, for, for some of it. So um, it, it's, it's nice to have that back and forth, almost like you'd use a pedal. Right, right, right. But you, you, you go to it quite often now. It seems well, like you go to the well, song. Quite I'm often. comfortable with it. And, and it's, uh, it's good for melodies. Like, you know, again, I'm, I'm trying to copy a singer. So, um, and then I've, I really haven't studied slide guitar players. I mean, I, of course, you know, I, I, when I, when I was a kid, my dad had had Eat a Peach, the Allman Brothers records. I heard slide guitar, right? Uh, and I, I love Johnny Winter. He was a great slide player that I, that I love to hear. But 
I'm actually pretty intimidated by like real slide guitar players that you know use open tunings. Yeah, you know they know all those tricks, and I, I thought you know for where I want to go with it, I, I just want to do what you know get a little bit of the mojo that that vocalists have. Right. So the, the, the first thing I did is I worked on Mercedes Benz, the, the Janis Joplin, you know, and she's, and she just sings that, you know, it's just her in a foot stomp. Like, oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? And then try to figure out what with a slide. took some doing yeah it, it was so different than the way i was used to playing and uh but it's, it's also really informed when I, when I don't play with the slide i, I still remember the like those locations yeah it's a much more horizontal way of, of looking at the fretboard and you know it, it's 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 really been valuable for my melody playing whether you know even when i'm not playing with the slide my time with it is still useful Right. So I noticed that you put it on your index finger as opposed to your third finger or pinky. And what's the reason for that for you? Well, that's longer. Yeah. And uh, and, and that's that, that you know, that's sort of silly sounding, but it, but I think it gives me more reach to the lower strings or, or just it's you know what it is. It's easier to to have. It's easier not to fret out. Right. Because, you know, when you're holding it, you kind of have to have your hand position go like under and right. out a little bit. And I'm not used to that. I'm, I'm, I'm a thumb over Hendrix style, right. you know, Richie Blackmore. Yeah. I'm used to having yeah. my hand like this, Jimmy Page, you know, down low. Yeah. And yeah. so to play the slide, I've got to get a whole, I start to go under. And if I use the third finger, I've got to go even a little further. Yeah, and so it seems like the second finger is is I'm like the least likely to fret out, and also you know I use eights, so to to have slide work at all <laughs> with light strings like this and have you know a clear tone, <laughs> and, and and not have that just be a total you know fret buzz explosion oh yeah um, yeah yeah it, it, it helps to be able to get under it like that so i think the second finger makes it easier so 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 how high up off the fret are those strings i mean are they pretty they're it's pretty high like yeah. I, I've, I remember doing a clinic recently and you know some heavy metal guitar player came backstage and picked up my guitar and he was like geez you know um, <laughs> but, but at, at the same time you know he, he said like man your action's so high but he's also like it's rubber bands yeah, like, that's right. You know, I, I want them to be rubber bands because when I'm not using the slide, I want to be able to you know, bend it yeah. and, and, and not fear it. Because what, what happens if I, I can still bend with heavier strings, but I start to worry because I, I start to, you know, it starts to eat through my, my skin. Right. And, I, and I'll go like, man, I, I, I can bend this now. But by the time I get to the end of the set or, or maybe at the gig tomorrow, like it's going to hurt. And yeah. so, and so you start going like, well, instead of bending that one, I'll slide and you start compromising your bends because, you know, out of just like preservation. Yeah. And, uh, and it was, it was funny too. I remember, you know, doing like the G3 tour and, and stuff where I was just playing, 
you know, putting in like so many hours every day. And, and, I, and I, I thought there would be like no limit to how thick my calluses would get. Yeah. But there is. They only they only get to a certain point. Like, that's it. They don't get any thicker. Right. And right. Uh, and and I think. And, and, and that and that's in that situation. We we're on tour all the time at home. I don't play as much. Yeah. So, you know, at home, if, if I use tens or something, it'd be like, oh, you know, I, you know, not be, not be able to do the bends like I want to. Yeah. So, so have you always have you always used light gate strings like that? Has it always been that way? Or a, lot, you- a lot of times I didn't really care. You know, I just sort yeah. of whatever. I, you know, I, I, I couldn't tell the difference that much. But I, I think also because I, I, um, I teach a lot yeah. and I teach and I teach vibrato and bending a lot. So, you know, as I'm teaching it, I'm doing it over and over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> and it, uh, you know, if, if I if I had to do that all day, you know, it's uh you know, on, on, on tens or 11s, I, you know, I, I started getting myself in trouble. So, um, as, as a kid growing up, I'd usually use nines or tens. Um, well, the first Mr. Big album, I used 11s cause I was trying to slow my vibrato down. Yeah. I, you know, I was such an Ingve fan that I was getting like this sort of wide, you know, real mm. dramatic operatic vibrato, which I still, you know, I love Ingve's vibrato, but it didn't really fit what Mr. Big was doing. Right. So, you know, it wasn't, we weren't like an operatic oh, kind of band. So, you know, I was just trying to tone my, you know, calm myself down and then 11 seemed to be the way to do it. Yeah. Uh, although I must admit, when I, I did one gig with 11s and it was like, enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> no more. Huh? Yeah. So, I, I, rem- I remember at a, at a young age when I first started playing, well, young age, I started playing in my 20s, late 20s. And this was around the time where Stevie Ray Vaughan was at the height of things. Yeah. You know, and he was, you know, one of those people that so many people were paying attention to, you know, and he's using cable cars, you know, cable, you know, strings for cable car cable for, uh, for strings and that. And so I started out on 12s. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 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 Cause I think thinking that and see, and I started up playing on an electric guitar because I didn't want to start on acoustic because I felt it would be too hard to play the acoustic. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? The way the strings are, but I started out on an electric with 12s. And, uh, in that, but, but I did find out that after playing, you know, a year, year and a half, two years or whatever, I did it for 12s and then switching down to tens, it was like, I had so much more control yeah. what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know about that, but, uh, but you know what I mean? It's it's like, you know, because the, the blues rock world, which was, is the world that I've always played in. Yeah. You know, that, that kind of those kinds of bends and things like that have always been, you know, the, the meat and potatoes of what you do and, and being able to really control the neck, but it's, you're a master at that. I mean, controlling the neck. Have you ever, you know, I, I, I don't think I've ever seen you play with a scallop fretboard, but is that something you've ever, you know, played around with? I, I had one, uh, I had, I've been as make one for me in the early Mr. Big Day. It was, it was like an art or a PGM guitar. Yeah, and it, was, it was orange with blue f holes, and there's you know there's some footage of me playing that guitar. I actually used it on the first album a bit, and uh, you know it's 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 a similar feel to, to to having tall frets, which I which I love. I love having tall frets, and uh, basically my 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 test for you know the guitar setup is like, can I bend in G minor? Oh, okay. Because it seems like that area of the neck, like around the sixth fret. <laughs> Yeah, to be, able to, to be able to get a grip on that, a lot of times the action down there gets low enough where you, you kind of gotta, 
you gotta work just, it. You, you, you gotta you gotta maneuver it a little bit. I don't want to do that. I just want to have it. So that, that whenever I get a, a guitar set up, it's like okay, we got to get it so I can I can bend. You know. <laughs> Like if I can get that without it slipping off, because you know, sl- you know I don't want to. <laughs> right. And if, if that's working, chances are the you know the, the rest of the guitar is going to be fine. Yeah. And that that and just like the open, you know, the Lenny Kravitz. There's so much tension on the second fret, right? That that can really tear up your second finger. I mean, I tend to use two fingers together for. That's that. That can be a, a, a you know that'll that'll get your calluses working. Yeah. And so as long as those because as I found on a if the frets are low, that's really where my skin will start to rub on the fretboard. Yeah. But that's that's the one place where I'd where I'd like sort of go like a scallop would help this. Yeah. Like, I, I can you, you can hear it uh, not on this guitar because it's got some tall frets, but on on a guitar with, with lower frets, you can actually hear your skin going like. You know, as it as it as it rubs, you know, yeah. As it sort of rubs it and it gets caught on the wood, yeah. And so if, if you feel that as you're bending and you and you and you're feeling like, oh, that's the wood, and it's it's like, you know, I'm I'm getting this friction. You know, that that would be nice not to have that. You know, that's that's where you know you need you need a you know a fret job a refret with with tall frets or a scallop. Right, right. Now, I, I hope you don't mind me asking this, but it's something that, you know, I, I find the, the response sometimes really amazing from players like yourself. And that is you've been doing this a really long time. I mean, at a very high caliber, you know, you, you probably consider, you know, it, one of the, you know, one of the best that's that's been around for a long time in that. What, what do you think are some of the things you did, a couple of the things you did in the formative days you know, when you're first developing yourself that have made you the player you are right now? I I think um, I was patient about getting what I wanted and not compromising the sound, like Mm -hmm. as a player. And it nothing nothing to do with gear, but it was doing with like what my my hands could pull out of the instrument. And uh, I had the the good fortune or the the will to, to be around musicians a lot. So I was always trying to be in a band. And because of that, you know, the, 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 the memory, the one specific memory I'm thinking of is I, I joined a band when I was about 12. And if, in fact, I, I, I lied to get in the band because they, they had a, a little ad up at the music store. It said, must be 13, you know, looking for a lead <laughs> guitar player. And I call them up on the phone. I'm like, yeah, I'm 13. And my voice hadn't changed yet. And they're like, it's a girl. You know, they, and they let me come over like, hey, you're not a girl. I'm like, no, I'm not. And I'm also 12. But, you know, let, let yeah. me let me jam. And they they let me join the band because I could play. And uh, but I, you know, I was still I was 12. You know, I, I could play pretty good for a 12 year old, but I certainly wasn't like a, a mature musician by any means. And, and they would tell me about their other friends because these were older kids. You know, they were 16, 17. And they're like, oh, you got to check out Tony. You know, Tony's going to come over and he, he could play fast. So I remember, you know, this their friend Tony came over. He was, you know, 18 or something. And and he had like the motorboat picking where his hand would just start going. You yeah. know, you sort of bring it in. And then, you know, there's no way it's ever going to lock up with what the left hand's doing. You know, it's, it's just sort of this glorious, fast explosion. Yeah. And I heard it and I, and I just thought that's, you know, way faster than I'll probably ever be, but I don't want to sound like that. Yeah. 
you know, I, I, I wanted, I want to sound like I'm in, in control. And that, that might've come because my, my parents had a lot of classical albums, which I really wasn't into it. I mean, they were just sort of, my dad would play them, but uh, you know, so I had no choice, but to hear it. And, but I could tell that the classical musicians were, were technically really in control. Yeah. You know, and as much as I love Jimmy Page, you know, I could tell that a lot of his stuff was kind of like, you know, where, where it needed a small brush, he would use a big one. Right. You know, so, right. so you know, he'd, you know, he would sort of get the point across. You know, you could tell what you could tell his intention, which really the job done. Right. But but it wasn't like, you know, a, a bunch of beautifully little, you know, here are, no, here are your beautiful notes, sir. You know, they, they, they weren't lined up and, 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 and shrink wrapped. Right. Where with the um, classical musicians, they were, you know, every note was pure, clean, perfectly played by these, you know, virtuoso cats. And and that sort of set a standard. I, I think it was almost like I, I, I didn't really have the personality as much as I loved rock and roll music more than anything in the world I, I didn't really have a rock and roll personality yeah and and i and i was a little embarrassed by being a rock and roll musician you know because I, I wanted to be like a smart person and, <laughs> and and so that's good and, and, so, and so to go out there and you know i wanted some i wanted my plane to communicate that you know i'm in control like, like i'm a smart person even though i'm rocking your face off you know, I, I, I still am educated, you know, so that, that and, and when and when Van Halen came out and Engve, you know, they, uh, you know, and, and players like Brian May, like Brian May was really in control of what he was doing. And Uli Roth, you know, Michael Shanker, you know, these are these are players that, you know, would, could rock a stadium like anybody. But they but their playing had had that level of virtuosic control that that that. Right. Uh, it's like Perlman would have, you know, so that was, that, that was uh, maybe the cool thing about growing up in like late seventies, eighties, you know, cause a lot of those players were at their, at their peak then it was really inspiring to be, you know, to see those shows and listen to those records. Yeah. You know, it, it's uh, well, it's definitely, you know, evident, you know, throughout your playing that you have that kind of control. I mean, you know, anybody that knows anything about guitar can watch you play, and understand that, you know, you have control over, you know, both your picking and your, your fretting hands. And at, at the same time, a, a big part of that is, is, is choices yeah. and going like, well, I've got control over this little toolbox filled with stuff. Don't do anything. Don't do anything else. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> you know, I mean, the students will do that sometimes. Like I'll, I'll get a student playing something and, and then they're going like, why is it sloppy? And it's like, because that's impossible. That, that you, There's no way to get that done with, with that technique. You know, right. a, lot, a lot of people, like, they, they have this mindset, I got to pick everything. It's like, well, good luck, good luck with that, you know, because I don't, you know, there's certain, right. certain like, you know, so there's certain phrases that will work that way, but a whole lot of them, that's going to just tangle it up. And, you, and you, you've got to sort of, you know, you can't, you can't do everything with one tool, you know, you, you, you got to, you you got to know what tool fits where. And, and, you know, you can't just go like, well, I'm going to learn to pick everything. And that's it. You know, that to me, that's really an arbitrary decision. And that's where a lot of people get fouled up. Right. Is, you know, rather than sort of making practical decisions, well, like, well, I've got this tool and it does this and that's, I'm okay with that. You know, it doesn't need to do everything. And that's, that's where you get in self in trouble. It's like going like, well, I'm just going to 
you know, force it through regardless, you know, I've got a hammer. So the whole world's a nail. The whole world's not a nail. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? Sometimes that sloppiness and I'll, I'll use that word. I know you're tap dancing around a little bit. I'll (laughs) go ahead and use it. But sometimes that sloppiness is really cool. Yeah. Those notes you're talking about page playing. I mean, that, that, that roughness that it takes to get where he's going is really cool. You know, and I understand it from a guitar player's perspective that, you know, it's it's probably not, you know, as clean and pristine as it, it you know, if, if it was clean and pristine, it would definitely sound a lot different and a lot more polished and probably completely different. I would think well, I've, I've, I've spent a lot more time listening to Led Zeppelin than I have Glenn Gould. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, you know, Glenn Gould is really inspiring, you know, the, one of the right. you know, incredible player of, of Bach and, and classical piano, but, you know, given a choice, Glenn Gould in this hand, Jimmy Page in this hand, I'm going to put on the Zep record, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now your world is kind of torn between, you know, making albums and playing live and, and, you know, giving lessons, being an instructor in that, you know, out of all of that, which would you say, you know, you find the greatest joy as a player? Well, they, they all have their moments. I mean, when, when I did this Christmas record, for the first time, I actually made myself cry. <laughs> We're doing like, you know, the, the end of Let It Snow and the whole, whole band comes down and I just go like... I hit that last note yeah. and the whole band... It's a minor seven flat five. And man, I was like, I I couldn't hold it together. It was, it was, it was, it sounded so good to me. Yeah. So, and, and, and have yourself a merry little Christmas. You know, I'm trying to play like Barbara Streisand melodies and, Tears are coming out of my eyes. I loved it. I was like, this is, this is, you know, really something I haven't been able to do before. You know, yeah. I got, I, you know, maybe I'll give myself chills once in a while, but, but, you know, to, to like, and, and often it'll also happen where the, you know, the performer will be doing something and the audience will get the emotion, but the yeah. performer was like, yeah, it's another gig. <laughs> right. But, but to feel it myself, that was, that, that was wonderful. Uh, but also, I mean, I really do love teaching it in kind of a, it, it, it involves having to think through stuff like, you know, it's, just, it's a lot of problem solving. Yeah. Because I'll, 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 I'll listen to somebody and go like, you know, a lot of there's a lot of things that are right. You know, like, you know, notes will be right. The rhythm is right. But something's off. What is it? You know, and then, and then when you discover what it is, then you can you can turn the mirror back around and go like, OK, well, that element. How, how am I with that one? You know, do, do I need some work on that element? You know? And so that, that's been a, 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 a great that's I've improved so much from teaching from, from just problem solving. Yeah. And and then, uh, you know, recording's fun. Cause you, cause you get, you, you get to sort of take a snapshot that that's that's a permanent record of where you were at that time. And, you know, once in a while you capture something that's magic and that, that's, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the, the whole, I, I'm a horrible teacher, you know, I've, I've, given lessons in the past in that and i am that's just not my forte but i love the aspect of investing in other people you know what i mean being able to impart something whether it is and so you know i've personally i've learned to do it in other fashions than just through guitar mostly for me it's through gear because you know i've come to really understand gear 
as time has gone on, you know, how pedals work together and how, you know, uh, uh, you know, different amps and different things work. And so I've been able to share that, but I, I always find it, uh, you know, really cool when you find somebody that, you know, especially at, at the level, when I look at people like John Harrington and Alan Hines and yourself and Carl Verre and guys like that, that are at a level that are just really great guitar players really understand things and they turn around and they give back, you know what I mean? Uh, to other people that are wanting to learn, you know, uh, what you guys have to offer. And I always think that that's, that's really cool. You know, even the guy that's given lessons at the music store yeah. down the street, you know, I think it's, I think it's an honorable thing, you know, to be able to impart because shouldn't everybody play guitar, you know, I mean, <laughs> well, right? everybody, everybody should play drums and sing. <laughs> <laughs> but if you need, if you need somebody to back it up, guitar's all right. Then you call me, right? That's what you say. <laughs> Yeah, well, I got to yeah. get to my next my next interview. But man, it's been great talking to you. Yeah, it was hopefully, nice. Hopefully less than seven years next time. All right, thanks a lot, buddy. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. All right, there you go, Paul Gilbert, joining us here today on Guitar Talk. I want to thank Paul so much for participating in this episode, and of course, I want to encourage you to go out and get his newest album, Twas. It's a Christmas album. It's really, really good. Um, you know, make sure you're uh, following Paul on social media and, of course, supporting, you know, when he comes to your area, go see him play. You won't regret it, that's for sure. Uh, well, I want to thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Guitar Talk. Um, you know, watch for an announcement as we get closer to the end of the year. We're going to talk about what's going on new at Guitar Talk for uh, 2022, starting in January. We've got a lot of things going on. Got a lot of great guests that are already, uh, you know, we've already done interviews for. So I think you're going to enjoy what's about to happen at Guitar Talk. Um, until then, I'm Jimmy Warren. Thank you so much for tuning in to Guitar Talk. We'll see you next week.